0: Turn with me again, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to read the first nine verses. These are verses that we've been looking at. This will be the fourth Sunday that we've looked at this passage of Scripture, and it all began on Mother's Day uh, as we started thinking about godly parenting and grandparenting. Now, again, this is not a way for me to um, apologize for staying on one passage of Scripture for a lengthy period of time. But, folks, I hope that you are are being fed from the Word of God. Uh, So often we'll take a passage of Scripture and read it one time and move on. And I'm afraid that some of you might accuse me of being like the Young and the Restless if you don't watch it for six months. It's still the same thing going on when you turn it back on. And y'all supposed to laugh whenever I say that. Uh, But I hope that you bring your Bibles. Folks, the older I get, the more convinced I am that if the church of Christ turns away from reading and studying and living the Word of God, the church is going to die. This is our spiritual food. This is direction for where we are headed. And this is the strength and guidance for serving the Lord Jesus, not only this day, but this coming week. And folks, I want to tell you, the home... You remember when we got started on this, where was the first institution of the worship of God? It was in the home. And we need to learn that again. We need to get worship of God back in our home. We need to read our scriptures. We need to... Pray we need to witness to our children about our faith. Now listen, I am not talking about making them believe everything exactly like we do, but I am talking about giving them a spiritual foundation and them seeing the Lord Jesus Christ in us so that when they are confronted with all the evils and all the different teachings about the different gods in our age, they'll be founded on the rock who is Jesus Christ. And, folks, that is our responsibility as parents and also as grandparents. You might say, well, Deuteronomy, written thousands of years ago, how can that apply to us today? Well, if we'll let the Spirit of God take this passage of Scripture and speak to us, we'll find out how it will apply to us today. So let's pray that God would do that, okay? Father, I thank you again for these who so faithfully come into the place of worship to study and and learn about you and our relationship with you and what you want to do in and through our lives, and Lord, most especially what you want to do in our homes and in our families. Father, I thank you for godly parents and grandparents who do set the example, who do share the gospel with their children, who pray for them, and who bring them to the house of God to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we cannot make anyone a believer, but, Lord, we want to be a church that sets the example, that teaches the Word of God, that lives godly lives, and is burdened about not only the future of our country, but, Lord, the future of this coming generation. May we truly teach them the Christian truths. And, Lord, I pray now that as we open again your Word and as we read this passage of Scripture for the fourth time out of the book of Deuteronomy, that, Father, your Holy Spirit would take it and, Lord, apply it to our lives. May these words find a place in our homes and in our hearts and in our minds so that we would be better equipped to be godly parents and godly grandparents. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances which the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. And I mention this every time. But folks, don't you see? Moses said, look, what I'm getting ready to tell you, this is what God told me to tell you. That you may do them in the land which you're going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son, And your son's son. And that's why we had to include not only godly parenting, but godly grandparents. Moses has the word from God to the parents and to the grandparents by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. We have found that there are at least seven instructions from God in this passage of Scripture to parents and to grandparents. And let's look. I'm just going to mention them and then we'll pick up on the third one, okay? Number one, parents and grandparents must be teachable. That's verse one. Before you and I can train our children and grandchildren in the ways of the Lord, we must be teachable ourselves and allow God to teach us. Number two, parents and grandparents must first obey the commands of the Lord before we can teach them to our children and grandchildren. Verses 1, 2, 3, and 6. How can you and I teach our children if we're not doing it ourselves? Number three, and this is one we'll get started with this morning, parents and grandparents must fear the Lord your God, verse 2. Number four, parents and grandparents must hear the Lord, verses 3 and 4. Number five, parents and grandparents must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, Verse 5, number 6, parents and grandparents must accept the responsibility to be teachers. Verse 7, we're called to be teachers as parents and grandparents. And number 7, for parents and grandparents, this is to be a lifetime commitment. Verse 2, all the days of your life. Well, folks, let's look at that third instruction from God found in verse 2. Let me just read that to you again. I hope you've got your Bible open that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son, your son's son, by keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. Folks, I want us to take a few minutes and spend some time studying this instruction about fearing God. It is God's desire that we fear him. And let me read these verses to you again out of Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 27 to 29. And these are the verses that precede these instructions. And you remember, I think we've already read these before, but, uh, but the people of Israel, when they got to Mount Sinai, were so overwhelmed with the presence and the holiness and the awe of God that they trembled at Mount Sinai. And they knew that if they went up into the presence of God, if God spoke to them, that they would die. And so they told Moses, Moses, you go up on the mountain. You meet with God, and then you come down and tell us what God has said. Now, isn't that much like us? If we think something bad's going to happen, we'll send somebody else. And they thought, there's a little bit of humor in this to me. You know, they think God's going to strike them dead if they go up there into the presence of Holy God. So they say, Moses, if anybody's going to get killed, we nominate you. You go up there. If you make it back, we'll hear what you've got to say. And so here's what. They said, go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and we will do it. And the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me and the Lord said to me, I've heard the words of the people which they have spoken to you that they have rightly said all that has spoken. Now look at verse 29. And folks, this is God speaking. Listen to these words. Oh, that they had such a mind as this always. God is saying to Moses, listen, this is what I desire my people to do. Listen to this. To fear me and to keep my commandments, all my commandments, that it may go well with them, with their children forever. Folks, God's own words about his desire for you and I is that we would fear him. Now, probably the first thing that has jumped into your mind is this. Well, if I fear God, that means I think he's going to strike me down. But folks, I found something out in studying the Word of God. This concept of fearing God is one of the great themes in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and most especially in the book of Deuteronomy. And folks, one of the things about fearing God is that when we fear God, it leads us to obey His commandments. Obedience leads to blessing. And folks, so often we want God to bless us, but we don't want to do our part. Our part is to fear Him and to obey Him. But folks, let me try and explain, and I'm going to use several different writers and commentaries to explain this. What does fearing God mean? Is it simply that we're afraid that God's going to send us to hell or He's going to strike us down? And folks, fearing God is much, much greater than that. Let me read some words out of the Bible knowledge commentary. In the Old Testament, fearing God, now listen to this, fearing God is becoming so acutely aware of the holiness and power of God that we are genuinely Afraid to disobey him. Fearing God is more than all our reverence. It also includes responding to God in worship, service, trust, obedience, and commitment. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Folks, let me tell you something. If we really sense that God is here, we will fear him because of his holiness and power. We are sinners, every single one of us. We are unworthy to come into the presence of God, but the good news of both the Old and the New Testament, God comes to us. God does not want us to be a stranger to Him. God wants us to know us not just as the Creator, awesome God. You know, for many years we've been singing that song, Our God is an awesome God. Well, folks, if He is so awesome, why do we not respect Him and treat Him with reverence? Why don't we fear him anymore? I believe we're living in a day in which our nation no longer fears God. And that's a whole other sermon. It's easy to stand in the pulpit and beat up on our nation. Folks, if our nation turns around, we must regain our reverent fear of God, which means we respond to God in worship, service, trust, obedience, and commitment. But let me tell you something about this. And Warren Wiersbe says this. We can love the Lord and fear the Lord with the same heart. And when I read that sentence, it just really overwhelmed me. Because you see, folks, I think so often we're saying, well, if I fear God, that means I'm afraid that God's going to attack me or God's going to do something bad or God's going to let something bad happen to me. But you know what? True fear of God comes because we have first received His love and His mercy. And so fearing God is not, is not that we're afraid God's going to do something bad for us because God's already loved us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. And as John says in 1 John four nineteen, look at this verse, and you know it, we love God, why? Because He first loved us. And folks, let me tell you something. If God loves us so much that He would send His Son before we ever knew Him as our personal Savior and we had ever committed our lives to Him, if God loves us that much already, then why should we be afraid that God's going to do something bad for us? God wants to do many, many good things for us. But because of our disobedience, we bring a lot of bad things into our lives. And fearing God is to help us right this ship that we're sailing in the wrong direction. We begin to fear God because we know that what He expects and desires for us is for our best interest and a full life in Him. May I read that again? And that Warren Wearsby said that, not me, okay? All right. We fear God because we know that what he expects and desires for us is for our best interest and a full life in him. This is from the Full Life Study Bible. What is the meaning of the fear of of the Lord or of God? And the Full Life Study Bible mentions four different things. Listen to this. Fearing God is the recognition of his holiness, justice, and righteousness as a counterpart to his love and mercy. Folks, if we reject the love and mercy of God, then we put ourselves under the holiness and justice and righteousness of God. You know, again, people debate, well, if God's such a loving God, why are people going to hell? People are going to hell because they reject God's plan of salvation in His Son by way of the blood of the cross. And as an outcome of rejecting the cross, the judgment and justice and holiness of God falls upon us. Adrian Rogers just said something, I don't know how many years ago he preached a sermon, because of course he's dead now. But he said, our sins will either be judged at the cross of Calvary or they'll fall on us. And folks, that's what separates us from God. It is not God's anger and God's justice. His mercy and grace wants to save us. And His Son shed His blood so that we would not face this, this holy justice of God. And folks, when we see ourselves in the light that God sees us, that we're sinners, then we open our hearts and our lives to be born into the kingdom of God. And folks, so it is when you and I as Christians, as the people of God, when we begin to humble ourselves and fear God, that allows God to pour all of His blessings out in our life. Secondly, to fear God... Is to regard him with holy awe and reverence, and to honor God as God because of His great glory, holiness, majesty, and power. And let me read some examples of this. Exodus nineteen sixteen. These next two passages of Scripture happen as as the people of Israel have gotten to Mount Sinai. Okay, listen. Listen to this. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Yeah, I remember in, in seminary, we were studying this passage of Scripture. This is one of the great moments in the Old Testament. God has delivered these people from slavery after 425 years. He has set a man named Moses up to to deliver them from Pharaoh, and they finally got to the the Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. They've come through the Red Sea where God parted the waters and, and safely led them there. And folks, when they get there, God begins to demonstrate who He is. You see, in that day, they thought the gods were territorial. They didn't realize that the God that Moses had been telling them about had created them and created the world. And when they got to Mount Sinai, they began to see the thunder and the lightning. Why was God doing this? These were primitive people who had been exposed to many different gods in Egypt, and God is trying to convince them that there is no other God like He is. And so these people are standing at the foot of the mountain, and they're trembling. The next chapter, chapter 20, verse 8 and 19, listen to this. Now, when all the people perceived the thunderings and the lightnings and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood afar off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will hear, but let not God speak to us lest we die. Now, folks, were they fearful of God? Yes, they were. Listen to Psalms 33, verses 8 and 9. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded, it stood forth. Let me tell you something. When I read that verse, verse 9, for He spoke and it came to be. You know what the writer is speaking about? Creation itself. You know, one of the reasons we no longer fear God, we we don't think God had anything to do with this earth, do we? Folks, He created it. He created you and me. We are his creation. He is the almighty creator God. The people back in that day got it. We're drifting farther and farther away from acknowledging that we are who we are and we are where we are because of our creator God. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Thirdly, true fear of God causes believers to place their faith and trust in God alone. Let me read that again. True fear of God causes believers to place their faith and trust in God alone. And there's a formula in Scripture the fear of the Lord produces in God's people a confident hope and trust in Him. And let me give you two passages of Scripture Exodus fourteen, thirty one. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did against the Egyptian, and the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Listen to this verse, Psalms 115, verse 11. And you might want to highlight this verse in your Bible. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Folks, let me tell you what I believe the writers are trying to tell us that when we truly have this reverential fear of God we begin to trust him more and more because we have seen what he can and will do in our lives because we begin to fear him and folks also to fear the lord involves recognizing that he is a god who is angry about sin and has power to punish those who break his righteous laws both now and in eternity listen to hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 And I know we don't like to hear stuff like this, but listen to this. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Folks, listen. I'm not trying to make anybody a Christian by causing them to be afraid of hell, but let me tell you something. More important than being afraid of hell is being afraid of the living God who created us, whom we're going to give an account to one day. But folks, Here's reasons, and I'll go through these. Okay, here's reasons for the Christian to fear the Lord. Number one, we should fear him because of his great power, and this is out of the Full Life Study Bible. We should fear him because of his great power as the creator of all things and all people. Let me again ask you, do you, do you and I feel, fear the Lord? You know, so often we don't fear the things that we think we've got control over. If we're smooth sailing through life, we don't feel like we need God, do we? If we got all that we want in life, we don't feel that we need to fear God. But folks, we should fear him because of his great power as the creator of all things and all people. Number two, we should fear God because God is still in control of this universe, our lives, and also our nation. Number three, as Christians, we have seen the Lord and the brightness of God's glory. If God saved you and I, as many of us profess He has, then we have seen the greatness of our God. He can save sinners like you and I. He can cause our church to exist for eighty years. Been a lot of things I'm sure he's not been proud that we've done, but God has done so many good things in and through us. We should fear him. Number four, the continual blessings of God we receive, especially the forgiveness of our sins, should lead us to fear him and love him. And remember, that can be done in the same heart. Number five, the fact that God is a God of justice who would judge the uh, entire human race should cause us to fear him. Listen to Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. Listen to these verses. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Are you, why do you despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. Amen. Folks, I want to tell you where that comes from. That comes from Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23. I, I, that's, that's what it is, Isaiah forty-five, twenty-three. And you remember, Paul repeats basically that verse in, in Philippians chapter 2 where he says, Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But folks, let me read Isaiah forty five twenty three to you. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. And that means to acknowledge, to affirm that Jesus, that God the Father, is is Lord. What does that have to do with you and I? Folks, every one of us is going to give an account of ourselves to God. Folks, we should reverently fear Him so that His will can be done in our life, even within our own families. Folks, do you realize every aspect of our life is going to be either... uh, made better by our fearing God or our walk with the Lord is going to be weakened because we do not fear God, even as Christians, even as churches. Who runs this church? As we fear God, the Lord Jesus Christ is head of this body of believers. Let me give you another example. This is the sixth thing, why Christians should fear the Lord. Fearing the Lord will lead us to fully understand the love of God for us. Let me read an unlikely passage of Scripture that would apply to this, but as I was thinking about fearing the Lord, this passage came to my mind out of Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43, and you'll immediately know what's going on. Listen to this. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. You remember one of the thieves? being crucified by the Lord, is literally making fun of Jesus. And he's saying, if you are who you say you are, then how about save me? I don't want to die on this cross. But listen to verse 40. But the other rebuked him, saying, what did he say? Do you not fear God? Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation... And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Folks, listen to this. Fear of God led one dying thief to trust Christ as his Savior. And he inherited eternal life because he trusted in the Son of God. Folks, what are we keeping from God doing in our lives because we no longer have reverential fear of God? You know, again, there's so much more in this, this concept of fearing God. And folks, perhaps Solomon in Proverbs sums it up best. Listen to what he says, and this is throughout the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The first step toward experiencing God in his fullness is to fear the Lord. A reverential fear. You know, I don't know, was it a couple of years ago when there was this thing about I don't fear anything? You remember that? I fear no one or or fear this or... You know, there's a lot of slogans and, and everybody wanted to be tough. Nobody... I don't fear anything. But folks, in doing that, we make ourselves fools. Because... In saying that we don't fear anything, we're basically saying, listen, I got, I got it all under control. And in reality, we don't. Until Jesus Christ is the center of our hearts and our lives. Until Jesus Christ is the center of our homes as parents and grandparents. We can't fully enjoy the relationship he wants us to have with him. And we can't fully become the people and the marriages and the homes that God wants us to have. God says to be godly parents and grandparents. Fear me, and I'll bless you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these instructions that you gave Moses to share not only with the people of Israel, but to share with us. God... In these moments, I pray that we have, we have learned something about what it means to fear you. And Father, I pray that our fearing you would be a sign of our reverence for you and our love for you because even in knowing what great sinners we were, you've died, your son has died for us. And Father, may our fear of you not only motivate us to live godly lives but lord may it motivate us to trust you more and more as we look back over our life and see all the many things that you've done for us and for our homes and our families for our parents and grandparents and now we pray that you'll do for us as parents and grandparents as we sing this hymn of invitation father i just pray that if there's someone here that needs to trust your son as savior that if there's some marriage here that needs new strength and guidance, if there's some homes, Lord, that have perhaps not meant to, but over a long period of time pushed you out, Lord, may they open the door and let you back in again. And, Lord, I pray for our church. Help us follow the follow your word. God, help us not to cast the scriptures aside and think that they're out of date or we can't understand them. Father, help us that we'll hunger and thirst, not only after righteousness, but after a deeper walk in relationship with you and a knowledge of your word. Father, in these moments, please, please, Lord, may your will be done as we stand together and sing a hymn. In Jesus' name, amen.